This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, I talk to Sean Landers, the boyfriend of Irish woman Gabrielle Glodinita. Gabrielle, or Gabby as she was known, was a champion cyclist who was just 24 years old when she was killed while out on her bike in May. Sean was with her at the scene of the accident. He wants to tell Gabrielle's story and to warn about the growing danger cyclists feel on Irish roads. Some listeners may find parts of this episode upsetting. Sean, can you tell us about your girlfriend, Gabrielle? She was known as Gabby. Where did you meet? We actually met first in secondary school. So, yeah, I guess we were in some of the same classes. We got talking and, yeah, I guess we started our relationship in secondary school. Uh, Kept up through college and now true working but yeah that's what we met originally when we were uh, 16. Which is a hard thing to do to keep up relationship college because you were in different colleges. Yeah that's right yeah. So what did what did Gabby go on to do? She studied management science and information systems studies she did that in Trinity she finished basically near top of the class first class honours degree um, she won a gold medal prize in, from her course like she's a yeah, she was a real brain box. <laughs> An extraordinary high achiever. That's right, yeah. And her family had come here, I think, from Lithuania? That's right, yeah. So her, her mother, her whole family's from Lithuania, uh, and her mother got married to an Irishman, and they moved over from Lithuania to Ireland uh, with Gabrielle when she was in, she would have been in fifth class of primary school when they, she moved over. So she wasn't speaking English then, I'm sure. No, she had no very little, just a few basic words, yeah. So from coming to primary school here, only speaking Lithuanian, and then going and achieving this extraordinary academic achievements only, you know, 10 years later, extraordinary, 15 years later. It's crazy, like she was getting A's in her junior cert in English, you know what I mean? And that's her second language. And sure, she's been measured against us at our first language. Like, it's pretty incredible. And again, A in, in leaving cert English, like she was, yeah, she was pretty talented. And when it comes to academics anyway... So cycling became a shared interest for you as a couple. But it seems that that Gabby, she excelled at everything she did, you know, academically. In the early stages of her career, she worked in tech. And when she took up competitive cycling, which is a tough, tough sport, she really took it up. Could you tell me about that? When did she take it up and what happened then? It was kind of like in it was only really in 2020 she kind of took it up pretty seriously like she was she always would have I've been cycling throughout our whole relationship and she always kind of did a little bit with me and you're a cyclist did you know that was going to happen when she said look I'll, I'll go out with you now you could kind of tell there was a little bit of talent there like she had a good style on the bike and a lot of maybe even my older peers would have said it to me like they said oh like you know the way she's pedaling and the look of her on the bike she has talent and yeah a few people picked up on it all right but it was when lockdown kind of happened and there was a bit of a cycling boom she kind of got caught on that and she started racing and she was bit by the bug she started doing kind of local uh races with group of women that are running in dublin uh she progressed through the ranks of that started winning one category moved to the next category started winning that category and started doing even bigger races and she kind of basically arrived in 2022 as one of the one of the top women in the country like it was kind of incredible growth Gabby congratulations on your overall series win uh, feels like a bit of a breakthrough season for you can just talk us through your season now yes, it's been up to this point thank you so much yeah I'm absolutely delighted to win the national series this is my first year doing the national series so I really couldn't believe it 
know, when I first started, I kind of just, my goal was to not get dropped and then quickly turn to a goal to get a podium. And then eventually it was to actually win the series. So I'm absolutely delighted to, to have this jersey and wear this jersey today. Um, yeah, the, the, the circuit today was very, very hilly. It was quite tough and the weather conditions weren't great. It was raining all throughout. Um, and the girls were putting in a lot of attacks. There's a lot of strong girls here. Um, but yeah, I finished fourth today, which secured, secured the overall in the national series, and I'm just delighted. It's the amount of people that have said to me that there's not, they haven't really seen anything like it in terms of her growth. Like she really was a talented bike rider, like and her achievements are phenomenal, really. I mean, she was so committed to her job. Kind of anything she does, she gives it like 110%. So, I mean, be it the cycling, she went between cycling and working full-time, she was basically training like she was a full-time cyclist while also maintaining her job. So she didn't really have much time for anything else except it's kind of just finish work at half five and hop out on the bike and do training or go to the gym. I mean, we'd spend a good bit of time relaxing together, you know, going for walks, hikes, that kind of thing. But, you know, her passions were, she was very focused on what she was doing and she didn't have much time for anything else. Can you take us back to Saturday, May 27th of this year, only a few months ago, when you and Gabby, you went out for a spin. I, I mean, you know, I can picture you. I, I can picture you. You'd be the super fit looking people in Lycra we'd see on the roads at the weekend. Where did you go and, and what was your plan? We didn't really have much in, in plan. Um, I was doing a hospital placement as part of my college course. So I was busy all that week. So we we're just looking forward to catching up on the weekend together. Basically, we were. Our plan was to go to her, her favorite, well, our favorite cafe, and get her favorite treat, which would have been carrot cake. We were kind of joking with that because it was one of the first sunny weekends, real sunny weekends of the year. And so we we're just hoping just to go sit outside. Um, yeah, in the sun. Um, and where was that, Sean? Well, it was in Ballybottle in North County, Dublin. So yeah, we we, I guess you know what happened, <laughs> but yeah, we never really got to to make it that far. Basically, I didn't actually see what happened um, firsthand, so I actually stopped momentarily on the road and she went on ahead uh, and I was just catching back up with her and I just turned the corner and I saw her, her bike messed up, all crushed. I saw a car with massive dent in the front of it, windscreen smashed, and but she wasn't there. She was nowhere to be seen. And it was where it happened. There was a bit of a deep ditch. And I was just like looking around for her and like, calling her name. You know, no response. And it was, I mean, like, luckily I've been to loads of bike crashes, you know what I mean, from my race and my own thing. And never do you think it's fatal like that's the last thing that comes to your mind you might think of broken collarbone broken wrist you know so I wasn't even thinking at this point that there was anything bad happening and eventually I saw her I caught catch of her socks in a ditch and she was upside down and, and still when I saw her I didn't even think anything serious has happened so I just basically jumped in the ditch to you know comfort her tell her that it's you know, everything's going to be okay, whatever, we're going to get help, like, I'll call my dad, it's like, whatever, the normal things, like, 
but he kind of like I went once I got in there like in this quite low deep ditch it's like I picked up her hand and like you could just tell there was just nothing there and her face and you just kind of get that sinking moment where you're just like no like this isn't happening I checked for pulse and there was no pulse you know she had quite once you looked she had quite serious injuries which probably images that will never ever leave me like things you never want to see on anyone you can only imagine what it's like and I just started doing CPR I didn't know what to do I just didn't want to do nothing and you're just you're just pumping on her chest and you know that the person the dispatcher from the ambulance um on the phone just to count, count me doing it um but it was doing nothing it was there was so much physical damage there that there was no way she was gone like she was already gone and you know a few really really nice people passed by and they were able to get a defibrillator but basically the severity of her injuries meant that there was nowhere we could even stick a defibrillator patch from loss of skin and whatever so we just as at that point I just once we couldn't do the defibrillator patch I'd, I'd given up and I just crawled out of the ditch and just fell on the ground and yeah, and then the ambulance, fire engine guards all came and it was just all then. After that, it's kind of just a big blur. Yeah. Were you able to call your family? Were you able to call her family? Yeah, I was able to call my dad. Uh, I initially called him, like, before I even thought it was there was anything fatal here. I just said, like, oh, like, because that'd be, you know, just bring, we need to go to the hospital or whatever. And he came and, I mean, I'd probably... I'll never forget the moment of him like walking up, seeing me and him, I could see on his face and he could see on my face and, you know, we just, he's just sat by me across the road for hours while guards were doing whatever they were doing and, but we, we didn't tell anyone but I had to tell her parents and I wanted them to hear from me, not from news or anything so we went straight to their house and, um, you know, still blood on my arms, blood on my hands, legs and just like again that's a drive and a, a knock on the door that I'll never forget having to do to basically change their lives forever almost you could argue ruin their lives forever with that one sentence of news that I have to tell them I mean how do you even tell them that what do you say like you know went home and I guess the days around that were just filled with my friends being really really good and we would have shared a lot of friends from the cycling community and they all just were really really there for me in those days and even my friends living abroad that all flew home it was you know I was filled with support then but it was a yeah I'd say for sure a day I'll never forget and you know you you describe how she just went out the road just ahead of you it must have only been seconds yeah yeah it was yeah, I was, from my memory, the driver was just getting out of the car when I arrived, so, yeah. Coming up, have Irish roads become more dangerous for cyclists? I continue my conversation with Sean Landers after this short break. 
The tragic death of Gabi Glodonita is still the subject of an ongoing inquiry. We don't know exactly what happened that day in May in North Dublin. And as you'll hear, Sean doesn't want to talk too much about it. And that's understandable. But he does want to talk about road safety in general and the increasing danger he feels cyclists are in on Irish roads. Did you and... Gabby, when you were thinking about your routes, the the route of your spin every weekend, did you choose the routes with safety in mind? I mean, I I was struck by your interview with my colleague, Conor Lally, when you called the roads for cyclists like a war zone. Well, like I've been cycling for like 10 years now. And when I started cycling, I'd never, ever think about my route choice for regards to safety. Like it would just, any road would be fine. But now it's completely changed and, you know, you try to stay away from certain roads and even certain areas have a level of aggression with the drivers towards you. And yeah, it definitely does require like planning. And But then like the scary thing is like you would think like even the road that we were on that day, like that would have been a road I would have picked as a safe road. So like, you know, you kind of feel like where is, there, where is it safe, you know? And you talk about a aggression from drivers. You feel that it's it's been building I think so that's just from but I guess that would be replicated by people like my friends and cyclists I speak to like it would be I don't know what why it's like that it's 10 years it's such a short period of time like really um, and I don't know what's causing the heightened aggression but it's definitely you can feel it and you know I can't even comment on what happened and even anything I'm talking about isn't to do with the case, it's just to do with my general observations when I'm cycling out on the roads. Like, you know, there's nothing, like, we don't know what happened that day. Like, I hear stories, and luckily it's never happened to me or anyone I know of people like being just pushed off their bike on the road. And it even happens to me where cars swerve in front of you as a, to threaten you, or, you know, and it's the, the beeping, and it's just like, you know, like, I'm just like a 25-year-old trying to enjoy my Saturday morning and go for a bike ride. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, like it's such a harmless activity that I'm doing that causing these people such stress, you know? Do you think motorists react differently or maybe specifically to, you know, sort of elite cyclists, to cyclists doing it as a sport as opposed to, I, I'm sure you commute by cycling into college. I mean, do you think motorists react differently? Potentially. I guess when you're cycling to college, like you're in Dublin City bike lanes most of the time, you know, it's kind of like a, almost like a free for all you look after yourself kind of thing. But when you're not commuting per se, you're typically out on more countryside roads. So I don't, not sure necessarily is it to do with liker versus not liker. It's, I think it's more just where it's happening, you know, and I remember like even there was one time like I was out with a friend one evening. We went out just West Dublin roads, Mead, County Mead roads, and we came back. We were almost shaking like, and we still talk about that spin to this day of what just was happening. The amount of times we got close past and just brushed off by cars and it was just crazy. I know that guy hasn't done much cycling since really. Like, and it's just, I know a lot of people, all Gabby's friends are, they can't go for a cycle without thinking about her and not about her specifically, but just about what happened to her. And I guess it's just, yeah, I don't really know really is the answer, but yeah. You mentioned their close pass. 
I mean, there's rules about that. Yeah, I mean, it's just very hard to enforce, isn't it? I just think that there's just this divide, I think, between cyclists and drivers. And, you know, drivers seem to identify themselves as different to cyclists, but we're all humans, you know, and, you know, like, it seems that when people are driving that every second is valuable, you know, and that everything can't be wasted and I need to be exactly to the second at my destination and that a cyclist holding me up on the road for 10 seconds is just going to make ruin my whole day and I need to do a risky manoeuvre to overtake them or whatever it is. Like It's kind of like this same level of aggression that drivers don't seem to hold to other populations like say pedestrians you know I mean if they're caught at a pedestrian light for example which could take what 10 to 15 seconds and between them slowing down and speeding back up they might have lost 30 seconds of journey time because a pedestrian pressed a light but they're not going revving their engine up to the pedestrian going really close to them threatening like threatening their life like they do to me on the roads you know I just like think why would they not do that to a pedestrian but they do it to a cyclist who may only hold them up for a matter of seconds like if you sit in your car and you look at a watch for the amount of time you're actually behind the cyclist it's really not that much it feels like it's the end of the world but it really isn't like you know you you sit there and you go one two three it's it's not like it's not that much time but for some reason there just seems to be this level of aggression against cyclists Have you been back on the bike? I have been. I basically pushed myself to get out the day after it happened because I thought, if I don't do it today, I'll never do it again. And I know that's not what she would have wanted and it's it wouldn't have done me any good in the long run. But I guess the first few months, I kind of was so numb to everything, I guess I was still in a bit of shock. But these last three or so months... So it's about it's over six months now since it happened, but these last three months have been particularly tough for me. And even not just on the road, but off the road too. But speaking on the road, you get a lot of just flashbacks, hallucinations. Just when you're out cycling, you get any time a car comes near you or this level of aggression, you just get that sinking feeling. And I'm just like, I just love to talk to this person and just tell them my story and like just I don't know see that there see there's a human here you know what I mean when I take off my helmet and take off my sunglasses like I'm just a normal person you know what I mean I'm going to college and doing all these things like I'm not just a cyclist that gets in your way on the weekends you know but like yeah like I have great friends as I said that are helping me and they go out with me and they're patient with me and like, you know, going to counselling and trying to get better at that and just go back up because cycling is my identity. It's what I've done for, as I said, 10 years. So I wouldn't want to lose it, but at the moment I'm not finding enjoyment in it. And of course, you're very generously sharing your story. Why did you decide to do that? Well, I mean, it's difficult. Um... Like, I was kind of, I guess I was approached, like, by Connor and asked would I speak. And even then when you guys asked me to come in here, it's it's kind of like I was him and Han and, I, you know, talking with my friends and stuff and my parents about what's the right thing to do. And 
I guess like I know it's, this sounds really cliche, but I re, I think it I do think it is true. Like if one driver slows down and stops, and I think that was a bit of feedback I got from the interview with Connor that you know maybe someone just read that and didn't speed or saw a text on their phone and decided I'm not going to take my phone out or you know any of these driving errors that typically happen on the roads that I see on a daily basis like maybe they'll stop one person and you know there's the whole aftermath of what's left behind of Gabby's death like my life changed forever her parents lives changed forever her friends lives changed forever but it's also like you have to mourn her like she lost her life she had such this future. We had our future together, all the things we talked about we were going to do. And she now doesn't get to do that. She was out training, bettering herself to be able to race again. And she now doesn't get to do that. And like, I guess I'm just trying to, I have a powerful story to tell, right? And I want to be able to tell that story to make a difference and almost not to let her, not die for no reason, but I think you know what I mean, not just, try to get some goodness out of the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. Have you any plans left for the rest of the season then? We're getting more to the back end, but you can maybe get Rossamon coming up. Yes, absolutely. So I'll be doing Rossamon with UCD. So yeah, that's my next focus now. Um, yeah, I really want to do well for the team in that. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to it and going to really train hard over the next few weeks ahead of it. That's great. Thank you very much and congratulations once again. Thank you so much. And of course, when there's such a, a tragic death, there's, I suppose, a process involved. There's inquest and uh, and so on. What's going to happen next? I guess, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I don't really care that much, to be honest. I just, it's not going to bring her back and that's all I want. So. How's Gabby's mum and dad? I mean, as good as you can expect. We were out for coffee yesterday and I think we all just are finding it harder as time goes on, really. Um... I mean, that was that was their only child, like, you know what I mean? And it's it's just sad now, and you know what I mean? And all the things that they would have dreamed for and with Gabrielle and things we talked about, kids, you now they don't get to have their grandkids. And, you know, even the mother was telling me yesterday, Adita was saying that she's worried about, you know, growing older, and she always thought, you know, Gabrielle would look after, be there for her. And it's just... I mean, it breaks my heart as well when I see them because they're in the same boat as me, really. Like, just person you love most, just gone. And just like that, you know, and so suddenly too, I guess it's even harder for everyone to, you know, one Saturday morning, like you're, like, cuddling together and then you're just, it's over. So, yeah, I guess they're kind of the same as me. not like they don't go a day I mean they don't go a moment without thinking about her um, but I guess it's brought us three closer together as well because we're they're really good for me looking out for me and I just want to be able to do the same for them Jean thank you so much so far this year seven cyclists have been killed on Irish roads the latest fatality happened last week in Sligo, where a 50-year-old male cyclist was found dead by the side of the road. 
In the past seven years, at least 65 cyclists have died in road crashes, and over 1,600 have suffered serious injuries, according to the Road Safety Authority. The authority has urged drivers to give more space to cyclists when overtaking and to check mirrors and blind spots. But while a law on dangerous overtaking was introduced in 2019, Garda data supplied to the Irish Times shows that fines have been issued in just 75 cases. That information is from a May 2023 Irish Times report by journalist Mark Hilliard. Sean Landers agreed to speak on the In The News podcast after first being interviewed for the Irish Times by Conor Lally. In that article, Conor also reported on the rise in deaths on Irish roads and on a perceived decline in policing standards when it comes to road safety. There are links to both of those articles in the episode notes. That's it for today. Thanks to Sean Landers and the Glodinicha family for sharing their story. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>